everybody. Welcome to the Still To Be Determined podcast. This is the podcast that follows up on topics from the YouTube channel Undecided with Matt Farrell. I'm not Matt Farrell. I'm Sean Farrell. I'm his older brother. I'm a writer. I'll be asking him questions and with the answers, hopefully, otherwise this is going to be a lot of dead air, is Matt Farrell. Matt, say hi. Hi. <laughs> Before we get into the episode, just a reminder, there are ways to support the podcast. You can, of course, keep doing what you're doing right now with your ears, which is listening to us. Or you can, if you're on YouTube, also use your eyes. And if you're on YouTube, you can pick eyes or ears, one or the other, or both. <laughs> it's your choice. Your choice. <laughs> There's also stilltbd.fm. There's a link on that page. And when you follow that link, it allows you to throw coins at us. And we appreciate whatever kind of support you're able to give, even if it's just listening, commenting, and sharing with your friends. Today's episode, we're going to be looking at Matt's most recent episode, which was five debunked tech inventions that changed the world. This episode dropped on October 19th, 2021. And I have to say right out of the gate, for me, this was one of my favorite episodes of your channel. I love looking really? at stuff like this. The... There's something about the marriage of future tech and history mm -hmm. that always gets me going. And I'm always interested in history from the perspective of, did they know what was happening as it was happening? And right, you right. can never fully evaluate the context that you're living in. You know, it's, as we're pushing forward right now, there, there's so much going on around us that we can't evaluate it or truly judge what's going on until we have some perspective. Mm -hmm. So I love this kind of like, oh yeah, back in 1983, people thought computers were dumb. And, <laughs> you know, like I, us now. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I really, you know, for me getting a kick out of the fact that I watched this episode on my phone with wireless earbuds mm -hmm. and at the same time had in front of me a video game controller because I had been playing online with people from all over the world, a video game through yes. a PlayStation on a color television that is approximately one inch thick. Yeah. And watching a video where it's these incredibly intelligent and highly successful leaders of thinking and technology mm -hmm. saying, we'll never get in an airplane. Yeah. We'll never do that. Why would anybody want a computer in their home? Said a guy yeah. who made computers for a living. Yeah. Um, so I thought that this episode was fantastic. And I think that a lot of your viewers also were in the same vein. There was this from Samuel Evelay, who wrote, my favorite debunking comes from the early prototypes of the train where critics said the machine moved so quickly it would kill passengers as they were forced into their seats. It traveled at speeds of around 40 miles per hour. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. There was also, That's a good one for the list. There was also a response to that comment pointing out that it was advised at one point that women not travel in cars because there were fear about their uteruses being pulled out of their body if the car had to stop too quickly. That that to me, I could, it sounds so believable given um, how given the history men, of men's response to women's yes. bodies. Yeah, it, yes. it makes perfect sense. <laughs> I also remember, um, not in my own lifetime, but 
knowing that at one point it was recommended that women not do jumping jacks. Otherwise they would never be able to bear children. Yep. You know, things like things like that. Um, the fragility of the human body is one thing, but then just full blown misogyny in the form yeah. of scientific thought is something <laughs> yes. else. Yeah. There was also this from Edward Rose who wrote, Matt is absolutely correct. Balance is the way to go. Never be afraid to ask for the proof, but also accept valid evidence when given. Those who refuse to accept validated evidence are just as big a fool as those who accept everything at face value without evidence. And that then drew a response which said, balance is bullshit. Bold stance to take. Yeah. Balance is bullshit. In science, it's as misleading as it can be. For example, the idea of balance in climatology is to have one scientist representing the virtually entire scientific community debating with one fossil fuel sponsored actor. That's be, that's balance for you. Follow the truth, follow the evidence, stay skeptical, but open-minded. And I shared that second comment because I think it's important to highlight that that second commenter is not fully on the same page with what you no. mean by balance. You are not talking fair and balanced from a viewpoint of a news channel that's saying we're going to bring in two people and make them debate an issue. That's Correct. not what you're looking for at all. Do you want to go a little bit deeper into what you mean by balance in thinking, balance in thought? My my point on the balance of thought is that if you hear a fact, something that's presented as a fact and you just take it at face value and you're like, yeah, never going to work. It's like, that's what I'm talking about. You need to avoid that. It's more of a keep an open mind. If you find yourself saying, oh, that's never going to happen or that's never possible. As soon as that never word comes into your mind, what I typically do is I fall into this trap myself. So it's like I typically find myself going, well, is that true? And then I'll try to do some more research and digging to kind of challenge my own preconception and to find out if my preconception actually does have a leg to stand on or not. It's not about, oh, there's a balance in different points of view and the, the valid truth is in the middle. It's more of a, our knee-jerk reactions are not the truth. Our knee-jerk reactions can send us down like women can't do jumping jacks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like It's that kind of line of thinking that it's like you have to find balance, keep an open mind, and when you find yourself falling into the trap of saying that is absolutely possible or that's never possible and you're making that making that based on assumptions is when you have to kind of pry yourself out of that box. Right. Yeah. And to be sure that the, the second commenter's point is something that is constantly evident right now. Mm -hmm. The entire debate around global warming the debate around the pandemic and the pandemic response and everything from masks to vaccines mm -hmm. is being those waters are being muddied by the kind of quote balance that the second commenter is talking about yes and but, you're taking one step back from that and saying that's not the balance I'm talking about. I'm not talking to opposing viewpoints. I'm talking about looking at the evidence and accepting evidence for what it is. Bingo. Yeah. So it's like, it's like climate deniers. Like one of my favorite comments I get all the time in my comments is CO2 is plant food. And it's like, yes, at face value, that is very true. CO2 is plant food, but that is ignoring all the other facts that go along with climate change 
where the debate about climate change is over. It's like, it is happening. It's undeniable. The scientific evidence is just overwhelming. But you, but you can fall into the trap of saying, oh, it's a hoax. It's been debunked because you're, you're going off of little preconceptions and you're falling into a box. And it's like when you're trying to figure out that you've fallen into that box to get yourself out of it, to look at the evidence and accept it. So it's don't, don't go in with preconceptions. Mm -hmm. I also like this comment from Farrell McGovern who wrote, this reminds me of Arthur C. Clarke's first law. When a distinguished but elderly scientist states that something is possible, he is almost certainly right. When he states that something is impossible, he is all, he is very probably wrong. Mm -hmm. I think that that's a very good and concise like mm -hmm. you can put that above the doorway of an entrance into an, a, a learned scholarly environment, a reminder that we're all coming at this from our perspective. And especially with somebody who has years, decades of experience in looking at these things, part of the bias that you point out is not only across the board, a bias that humans share. It's a bias that's built, in some cases through experience and knowledge, some of the most biased yes. thinking comes from the most learned of us. Well, it's, 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 have you heard of the, uh, Dunning Kruger effect? It's, Once you it's go into where, more details. It's where you, th it's where <laughs> I don't call people stupid that fall into this bucket, but it's where you think, you know, enough about a subject matter that you believe you're an expert on it. When in fact, you know, basically nothing. And so you make assumptions based on the, I know what I'm talking about. And you are just going in completely out of your element. And people who fall into the Dunning-Kruger effect typically are horrible people right. <laughs> they fall and do horrible things. But there's my, my mantra, like on this video, when we were working on it was you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. So at the time, even though these people are extremely smart and knew what they were talking about of their given expertise, it's. It's like people who talk about how the Hyperloop will never happen. Chances of Hyperloop ever happening, I think, are slim. I'm not going to argue that point. But for anybody to say it's never going to happen, it's not possible. It's like you don't know what you don't know. It's like you, there are people working to solve this problem that know more about this than you think you do. Right. And it's like, why do you assume you know more than the thousands of people that are working to make this a reality? And so for me, that's the thing that I'm always trying to push myself out of on this is don't fall into the Dunning-Kruger effect. And so it's yeah. like when I'm right, when we put these videos together, I never claim to be an expert on any of this stuff. And it's just, this is the research we found. Here's what we found for the pros and cons of this thing. I'm going to present it. I came to a conclusion for myself. What do you think? That's literally what it is. I never want to come across as I know more than about other people about this topic. So trust me, it's like, that's not what I'm doing on any of this. Right. So it's like, I, I try my best not to fall into that, <laughs> that trap. My favorite examples of that happen online through social media. When somebody will say, here's evidence of X and somebody yeah. else will respond. You don't know what you're talking about. You should take a look at this. This is going to give you that information. And then the first person comes back and says, I wrote that. <laughs> it happens far more often than it should. It very often happens to women, women in science. There was yeah. one particular case I remember where a, a woman shared her, a link to an article saying this examines blah, blah, blah. 
and somebody came back and said, you clearly haven't read the article because you are misrepresenting what it says. And then she had to reply, I wrote the article. <laughs> and <laughs> that's the, the, the commenter who shows up and says, you clearly don't know what you're talking about. That lead in is very often spurious. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so a couple of questions I had as I was watching this video and I know that the answer for me is a definite yes. Was there ever a time in your own life where you thought something wouldn't fly and you were just absolutely wrong? Um, the closest I could example I could come up with that is, well, yes. And one of the examples that popped in my head was electric vehicles. It's like I, for years, the best electric vehicles, you know, like the Chevy Bolt, when it like, you know, it was like, you know, you can drive 60 miles on a charge. And it was right. like, for me, I was just like, yeah, no way. There's no way. I loved the idea of electric vehicles. I wanted it to be a thing, but it was like, if that's the best we can do, <laughs> screw that. Yeah, <laughs> That's not never going to fly. And then along came Tesla and suddenly it was like, oh, oh, this could work. And so, so that started to change my mind. So it's right. like, it's one of those, I've fallen into the trap. I never said it's never going to happen, but I definitely thought, well, that's a long shot. That's, a, that's the best we can do. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the I, early electric vehicles down. had the air about them that was similar to somebody advertising to you a bicycle that only has one pedal. <laughs> it's like, well, exactly. yeah, <laughs> I could get one good solid pump out of this pedal and be moving but then if i can only coast to the corner and then i have to yeah. reset my pedal that's not super terrific yeah yeah for me i remember very clearly standing in your doorway of your bedroom when you were in high school and seeing you sit at your computer and your computer was twice as good as my computer because my computer had literally been purchased 6 months earlier <laughs> These were our first computers and mine didn't have the ability to go on the internet. You were on the internet and I walked into your room. I said, what are you doing? And you said, I'm sending emails to my friends. And I said to you, one, you're an idiot. <laughs> Two, that's a waste of time. There's a reason why we have a phone. Uh-huh. And that is just a silly fad that will go away soon. I still stand by every single one of those comments. <laughs> yeah. I, well, to add to that, I worked, I used to work at a company that I think most people that, I don't think people remember this company. There's a company called Lycos, which was a, one of the biggest search engines in the world before, <laughs> before, before Google showed up yeah. and then Google ate everybody's lunch. But I used to work for Lycos and I remember I was sitting. I love the lead into product. that as a description yeah. of the company. Yeah. One of the largest search engine companies in the world. You may yes. not have heard of it. You may have not heard of it. Yeah. This was a long time ago, early 2000s. And you may I was remember sitting the in my ads desk. where it was, go get it Lycos, and it was a black lab that would go yep. off and find things. And then yep. unfortunately, it turned out that the search engine was in fact run by a black lab. Yes, it was. And that kind of ties into what I was about to say, because I remember sitting at my desk and a couple of uh, vice presidents were walking in front of my desk and one of them was going, yeah, we're going to create this broadband service. It's going to be called Lycos fat pipe which i thought was <laughs> made me go wait what that's the worst <laughs> name you could come up with but they were talking about broadband and he was saying and then he goes and what, we're gonna we're gonna create this service 
We'll go right to the home and we're going to give people broadband service, which is going to be like 128K or whatever it was at the time. That was this mind boggling right. speed. Mind boggling. And he number. said, and at some point he goes, smartphones, and they were start talking about smartphones. He goes, we have to start thinking about products that can be tied into the phone because smartphones going to become a thing and you're going to be buying, you're going to go up to a soda machine and you're going to put your phone up to the soda machine and a soda will pop out and you're not going to use cash anymore. And this was like in 2002, maybe. And I'm sitting at my desk going, you are so full of it. There's no way any of that's going to happen. <laughs> it's like, and I'm working at an internet company. And I thought that was complete like BS. Right. And where are we now? It's like yeah. all the stuff that these two guys were talking about, all of it has come true. And Lycos is nowhere. Right. <laughs> so I, thought that, I thought that was kind of funny. Well, I think, I think what you're trying to say is that we are in fact living the fat pipe dream. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't keep a straight face through that. <laughs> I really wanted to get there. Yeah. Nice, Ooh. nice try. I appreciate it. Yeah. I wish the name of this podcast was fat pipe. <laughs> still to be fat by <laughs> still, still to be fat by me. so to bring us back to <laughs> the actual point of this fat pipe um you talk about balance we've talked about what you mean by balance but i'm wondering do you have any tips about how to achieve it and i know that You've, you've pointed out that this is a human foible that we can't help but be biased against. I, I'm fascinated. I, I tend to look at a lot of this stuff from an evolutionary perspective. You know, mm -hmm. I, I look at myself and people around me and I say, oh, that person has zero fear. He goes out and does mountain climbing and he and he goes skydiving and he loves roller coasters. There's no fear there. And then this other guy is out there and He's neurotic. He's he's got some form of agoraphobia and he doesn't like crowds and he and he all he wants to do is stay at home and and read his books and watch TV and and be left alone. And I look at both of those and I think, wow, there's interesting evolutionary things at work in both of those. In a in a kind of primitive setting, you would need a group of people that ha would have a mix of both of those components. The one who's willing to grab this club and run out of the cave and attack whatever's outside in order to gather food and defend the group. And on the other side, you also do need that person. I always joke about our evolutionary, your and my evolutionary <laughs> ancestry, where in moments of high stress and panic, we get very sleepy. Very sleepy. And, <laughs> and I think that there is probably an, an ancient feral in the history way back in time who was the one that originated, you know, if you're ever attacked by a bear, just pretend you're asleep and they will leave you alone. <laughs> Because that's the only way our ancestors got out of that cave is yeah. by, like, good Lord, it's a saber-toothed tiger. Why is Feral asleep? <laughs> no, just leave him there. He'll be fine. And I look at this bias issue and I think it's fascinating to think about, like, what is the what is the origin of this kind of bias, this distrust of the new and I can see how there would be a place of, okay, a distrust of the new in that kind of primitive social aspect. You wouldn't have people just kind of wandering away. You wouldn't have people wandering away from the good for the group. You'd have right. a sense of trust in one another's practices as, as habits were built up among the members of a community. And you'd have those people willing to say like, 
oh, I'm not sure about that new thing. I'll just keep doing what the group is doing and reinforcing those practices. I can understand where it comes from. And then there's that edge of it, which holds you back. So it's yep. finding that balance is very difficult and finding that point where you can say, okay, I understand that the newness shouldn't always be immediately trusted. If it's immediately trusted, it's not good for the group. Right. And then when is the good for the group actually holding you back from something that is the next big good? And it's hard to recognize, but I'm wondering if you have any tips as far as, and I think you demonstrated in your videos when you talk about, here's what these things are aspiring to achieve. Here's what they're currently achieving. Here are the things that they're holding, that are holding them back potentially. Is there something you've had to, to manifest in your own approach to the different subjects that you could share with the listeners as far as a way to enact that kind of balance in our own thinking to be able to recognize, oh, I'm, I'm kind of responding with a knee-jerk reaction as opposed to taking something in that might be a little disconcerting. You know, it might swirl the, the, it might muddy the waters a little bit for me, but I'm still safe even if I give it that room to be true. Right. Well, most of the time f- for me, it's the immediacy of my response to whatever the thing is I'm looking at. So it's like when you look at something, you have a snap judgment on that. I trust that person. I don't trust that person. Or I like that thing or I don't like that thing. You have an immediate snap judgment. We all have it. When I'm learning about a subject or I'm learning about a company or a thing they're making, if I find myself with a snap judgment of, oh, that's amazing. This is the solution for everything. Or if I have a a immediate reaction one way or the other, I've kind of learned that that's a sign of, okay, I'm, I'm making a snap judgment, which is based on assumption, pause, dig up your Vulcan side, (laughs) put the emotional reaction to the side and then try to challenge that assumption and find go in the opposite direction and see if you can find like a lot of the technologies I talk about are like, wow, this thing is amazing. And then it always comes back to, is it amazing? Mm. <laughs> is it always, is it really that good? Uh, what does it actually cost? Oh my gosh, this thing's three times the cost of this other thing. So it's one of those, it always, that's what sends me down different paths is I'm always trying to challenge the emotional response that I have. And it's that snap judgment, that snap response that you have is the thing that I try to, I've kind of learned to not ignore, but it's more of a, just challenge it. Like right. you lean in this direction. Suddenly it's like, why am I leaning that direction? Is there something actually over there instead? So challenge first assumptions. Yeah, basically challenge your first assumptions. That sounds like a very wise approach. I'm curious to hear from our listeners about places in their life where they've been able to either enact that kind of uh, response to be able to shut down their immediate rejection of something. I'm also very interested in those places where people haven't been able to do that. Have you been in your brother's room calling him an idiot because he's using (laughs) email instead of real (laughs) mail or a telephone? Let us know what you think. You can leave that information in the comment section below this video, or you can reach out to us through the contact info in the podcast description. While you're doing all that, please do remember to subscribe. You can do that by hitting the subscribe button. (laughs) I'll let that sit there for a moment. Yeah. As people scramble subscribe button.
What? What's that? That pipe? Huh? (laughs) (laughs) We do have ways to directly support the podcast. You can visit stilltbd.fm and you'll see the support the podcast link there. And then you get to throw quarters at our heads. Or if you're watching on YouTube, there is a membership button right here on YouTube. And you can press that and make a donation directly to us through YouTube. Just press the join button and join us. We look forward to you joining us, being one of us. Fat pipe, join us. <laughs> I'm never going to let go of fat pipe. I'm going to get no. a t-shirt made that just says Team Lycos fat pipe. fat pipe. It's going to say Lycos fat pipe. I don't care that Lycos <laughs> is no longer with us. It's with us in spirit. It's with us in fat pipe. <laughs> Do please give us a rating, a review, and share us with your friends. All of that really does help the podcast. The podcast helps the channel. The channel helps Matthew. And then Matthew helps Fat Pipe. We'll talk to you next time, everybody. Thanks so much. <laughs>